I'm Shaylin Smith. And this is Aubrey Byer. And this is The Resolute. So first, I want to give a shout out to one of my BFFs, Vanessa. Happy birthday. (laughs) By the time that you listen to this, it won't be your birthday. (laughs) It'll be long past. It'll be a while past, but that's okay. Happy birthday. (laughs) Happy birthday. (laughs) All right. Well, today's story, I'm going to read an excerpt from um, the book that I, one of the books that I read. Well, I, sorry, let me back up. This is the only book I read about this story. And it was really hard to find a book in English Hmm. on this story because um, Julianne Kopke, who the story is about, is German. Hmm. And so um, I finally did find one and it's called When I Fell from the Sky. You've been on an airplane before, right? Uh, uh, oh. <laughs> I have. Been have you ever airplane. had a bad airplane experience? Well, yes. <laughs> I was going. Let's see, from Washington to Florida, so pretty long. Like, was it six hours or eight That's hours or something? Yeah. And we flew through an electrical storm, which, like, now that I think about oh it, my gosh. I think they're supposed to land for that, right? Or not fly through? Not the through it, maybe, but maybe not. Yeah. Let's not do that. Yeah. But, you know, I didn't mind it too much. I thought it was actually pretty cool because you're like looking out the window and it was just like lightning in the air, which is a, it was an interesting experience. Mostly everybody else was freaked out though. A lot of barking. I've flown above electrical storms before and that is cool to see. That's very cool. And it's what is really uncanny that you, that that's the example that you would use is because that's what happens in this story too. Oh, Uh no. I know. Okay. As you're saying that, I was like, what the <laughs> Give me chills. That was weird. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so let me read this little excerpt for you. Um, all right. The flight from Lima, Peru to Pucalpa takes only about an hour. On December 24th, 1971, the first 30 minutes are just like normal. Nothing out of the ordinary. Our fellow passengers are in high spirits. Everyone is excited to celebrate Christmas at home. After about 20 minutes, we're served a small breakfast of a sandwich and a drink, just as we are today. Ten minutes later, the stewardesses already begin to clean up. And then, all of a sudden, we hit a storm front. Mm. And this time, it's completely different from anything I've experienced before. The pilot does not avoid the thunderstorm, but flies straight into the cauldron of hell. Oh my gosh. It turns to night all around us in broad daylight. Lightning is flashing incessantly from all directions. At the same time, an invisible power begins to shake our airplane as if it were as if it were a plaything. The people cry out as objects fall on their heads from the open overhead compartments. Bags, flowers, packages, toys, wrapped gifts, jackets, and clothing rain down hard on us. Sandwich trays and bags soar through the air. Half-finished drinks pour on heads and shoulders. The people are frightened. They scream and start to cry. Hopefully this, this goes all right, my mother says. I can feel her nervousness, while I myself am still pretty calm. Yes, I begin to worry, but I simply can't imagine that... Then I suddenly see a blinding white light over the right wing. I don't know whether it's a flash of lightning striking there or an explosion. I lose all sense of time. I can't tell whether all this lasts minutes 
or only a fraction of a second. I'm blinded by the blazing light, while at the same time, I hear my mother saying quite calmly, now it's all over. Oh, <laughs> that is chilling. I I wanted to condense that, but her description is just so, like you said, it is, it's chilling. So that is just the beginning for mm. Julianne Kopke. I'll talk a little bit about her early life because this plays a huge role into what is to come after that experience. So uh, Julianne Kopke was born on October 20th in 1954 in Lima, Peru. Her, both of her parents were scientific researchers and they were researching various animals and plant life in the rainforest mm. in Peru, in the Amazon. And that's why they were there. They were, they had just, um, uh, you know, I'm not going to go into her father's story. I really want to. His story could be an, its own episode. Um, but yeah, his story is really amazing. So both of her parents are from Germany. And separately, they find themselves meeting and really falling in love with wanting to research the Amazon jungles. Mm. And so they go to meet there. Her mom, this is well before she's born, her mom makes it to Peru, to Lima, Peru first. And her dad, this is part of the part of his story that is just really fascinating because this was in the late 40s. Mm. It takes him forever to get over there. He was captured at one point because he's German. Oh. And this was after... Um, D-Day. Oh, wow. When he's trying to get over yeah. to Peru. And oh. so he was captured as uh, like a prisoner of war. Oh, my God. For being German, even though he wasn't a Nazi. Wow. And um, his story on how he escapes. And and this is after he loses all of his papers, ev- all his identity. Oh it's a really incredible story. Wow. So they both wind up finally meeting in Peru years later Mm. like it takes him years to get there and they were supposed to be there together i think six months Mm. after they um left europe so um after julianne was born they really loved taking her on all of their adventures it was something where you know how a lot of parent parents that are very career driven or very scientific you know like uh, often their career takes over mm-hmm. and their parenting comes completely secondary mm-hmm. in this case this was not the case at all it reminds me a little bit about of um Marie Curie and how yeah. her father would even send her yeah those you know if you haven't if you don't know what we're talking about listen to that episode but her father would send her those little puzzles and um math problems to work out he they really included her in the learning process and in their fascination with science yeah and the exact same thing um happened here for julianne that's so cool a lot of their research would include expeditions Mm. into the amazon jungle which sounds like a really terrifying place, in my opinion. It's, it seems like such an interesting place. I can't quite, you know, picture, like, I don't know. There's just way, way, way more, like, species there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah. It seems like a cool place, though. I want to go there someday. <laughs> I know. I, I would love to go with a very knowledgeable guide. Yeah. Because I don't know anything about the animals there. And there's just so... I, I am really fascinated by, like, the insects there. Yeah. Because there's so many varieties and different colors and, oh. I think a lot really about, cool. like, the plants and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. the bugs, definitely. But, I don't know. All sorts of different plants that you have never seen before. And unless you went to, like, a... What's, like, a, a zoo for plants? I can't think oh, of Oh, like a... <laughs> arboretum sort of something thing. like that i can't remember <laughs> but anyway the amazon <laughs> yeah no that would be that would be really cool so during these excursions they would teach her all about different birds and what their calls sound like mm. different frogs and you know there's poisonous dart frogs mm-hmm. that you can actually consume mm. it doesn't always sit well with your body but it's not going to cause you harm okay so it's like a misconception that like if you ingest one of the frogs you know that you will die immediately yeah and so she learned all of this all of these things all throughout growing up and uh when she was 14 i think they spent two years they left and um her parents established it's called the penguana research station mm-hmm. and it sounds huge because like ooh research station it was this really small like 10 by 20 structure that had like a thatch roof and but it was a post that they could you know cook and stay in like a cabin for other scientists too anybody that was wanting to come and study the amazon yeah could come and stay how interesting okay Mm -hmm. and they would have some equipment and, and that sort of thing. And it's actually still there today. Oh, cool. Which is really, really That's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. So, yeah, her parents started the Panguana Research Station. And after they opened up the station, they decided to do this excursion deeper into the Amazon jungle. And the Panguana Research Station is many miles outside of the closest village. Okay. And so it's a situation where once you – I mean, you take – everything that you need and when you're there you're gonna be there a while yeah because it's hard to get back and you're not you know it's not this back and forth there's not people always coming out there it's a little remote yeah it's remote there's no running water there's no telephones you're you know in order to get any information or anything like that you need to trek back into the city okay so on uh, one of their adventures, they're teaching her about survival in the rainforest, mm-hmm. and her dad teaches her how to start a fire, which often you're not able to just because it is so moist. Yeah. In the Amazon, there's the canopy of trees. Mm-hmm. The leaves overlap so much that you can't even see the sky. So yeah. the light underneath is this dimmed it's filtering through foliage okay and so underneath that canopy is often um i mean you can see fine but it's muted everything is muted and there's and then it traps in right like the a greenhouse effect yeah literally um all of the moisture and that's one of the reasons it's so lush i never thought about that it makes a lot of sense though that's like that was a smart move nature good job you know <laughs> it's like a biome you know yeah it really is 
so th- um, eventually, a few years after living at the Panguana Research Station and going out into the jungle with her parents, the government kind of caught wind and they're like, okay, she needs formal education. Mm. You know, you can't just... (laughs) Boo, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently not every country is so into homeschooling like the United States. (laughs) But, you know, and her parents complied and they sent her to school in Lima. And even after that, I think it only took her a year to graduate. Because they clearly did a phenomenal job of educating her. Yeah. Not just in... The nature and the jungle and the animals but also in academics as well right i can't imagine yeah two scientists not um having that be a part of their regular life you know yeah pretty sure they're big on education yeah (laughs) so yeah she ended up graduating on december 23rd 1971 which is the day before um her and her mom got on this plane okay and that was actually the reason they flew out that day mm-hmm. was because they were going to fly out. Her mom wanted to fly out like the December 19th or 20th, but Julianne really wanted to attend her graduation celebration. Mm-hmm. And they were in a rush to get home because it's Christmas. Right. And her mom was really hoping to spend New Year's with her husband. Right. And so the problem is with it being Christmas Eve, all the flights are booked. Yeah. And the only, the one thing that her husband said was, do not fly this one airline. Right. Which, if it was nowadays, we, know, we all know what airline that would be. <laughs> I'm scared to say it because I don't want to get They're going to come at us. Yeah. It's just a personal opinion though, right? It's just a personal opinion. Spirit. <laughs> See, I was going to say it's spirit, right? Yeah. Spirit. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, uh, this airline was called Lansa and <laughs> this is the history of this airline is terrifying. So first of all, this plane was the last plane in the company, in the airline's company. <laughs> that is not a good sign. <laughs> it was also... Made up of parts from other planes yeah, that they, had malfunctioned yeah, and yeah. were parted mm-hmm. out. I was going to say, that's how, so a lot of the budget airlines, they will buy the retired air, airplanes yes. from like the more expensive airlines. And then uh, it's just like, that probably isn't a good idea. A There's a reason idea. they retired them, yes. right? And Spooky. Lanza, all of their other planes had either malfunctioned or crashed. Mm. And <laughs> all of them? Yes. How is they that even allowed to be like an airplane anymore? Don't you? Th- isn't there like three strikes? I was gonna say like three times. I mean, maybe they only on. had four planes, so maybe that was the third <laughs> plane or something. I don't know, bro. That's insane. <laughs> they all malfunction. I know. Dude. So already, I mean, that's even bad. right now, like the worst airline that I've ever been on is a functioning airplane. Right. You know, it's yeah. like complaints for comfort yeah. that. I have. It's not about the functionality of yeah. it. This is quite, quite scary <laughs> yeah. to me. And that was the one, fl- the one airline that um, Julianne's dad was like, "Do not fly this airline." Unfortunately, her mom was just in such a rush to get them home, and it was the only 
flight that still had seats on it. And and even those filled up. Oh my gosh. That's and terrible. So it was a full flight. It's Lanza flight 508. And there's kind of this joke that they would say back then. Um, and I don't know how to say it in Spanish. But it's in Spanish. But the it's roughly translated to Lanza always lands on its belly. Which is just not a great Yikes. thing to be known for yeah. as an airlines. That's like shocking i can't I know. imagine i can't either it's i don't i like flying because mm-hmm. i love to travel mm-hmm. i don't like the experience of flying right so okay. even takeoff and touchdown i'm just kind of like it feels so unnatural and julianne mentions in her book that her mom so one of her mom's specialties was she would study birds mm-hmm. and um, so because of her studies too, even more so, her mom all hated flying right. because she always felt like this iron bird should not be in the air. Right. And I agree. <laughs> so <laughs> like, I, I still this. do it. And her yeah. mom still did it yeah. because, she, uh, you know, she's a tough lady, but it just seems so unnatural. So then to be on one <sighs> that's unsteady is just. You're like, I knew it. I knew it. Ooh. Yeah. So 30 minutes into this flight is when the pilot flies into the thunderstorm. Okay. Later 30 on, minutes in. 30 minutes. It's only an hour-long flight. Oh, my gosh. I know. Okay. And they don't know if they just didn't have time to avoid the thunderstorm, if it was a choice to just fly into it. But either way, they fly into this thunderstorm, and uh, it gets struck by lightning. So it strikes, that's what Julianne was seeing, was lightning striking the wing of the plane. Oh my gosh. And the next thing that she knows is, um, she describes it as, she was in the plane. She's um, in a row, you know how there's three seats in a row. Right. So her mom's next to her, and next to her mom, there was this um, other man. And suddenly she's outside, like the plane left her is how she describes it. She doesn't remember leaving the plane, mm. but the plane leaves her, and she's still strapped to her seat and the row of two two other seats and oh is tumbling gosh. through the air. No. Strapped to her oh my plane seat. And a few things happened that it, are the reasons she survived this fall, because... She fell from over two miles. Oh my god! In the sky. Are you serious? And one, she's on the end of a row of three seats, mm-hmm. and the seats are spinning around her, like she describes it as like a maple seed. Okay. You know how it yeah. has that little wing that comes yeah. out, and then it spins, it spirals down. Yeah, which helps kind of slow its fall. Right. And so that, and then on top of that. Uh, during these sort of thunderstorms there's updrafts mm. that can actually like lift people off of their Whoa, feet that's how okay. heavy some of the updrafts can be so they think that that really slowed her fall too and she describes just suddenly the trees are just getting closer and closer and rushing up at her and the dense foliage of the amazon forest helped to continue cushion that fall whoa whoa so she survives this fall whoa which is 
and on top of that, she's fr- falling in her seat through the thunderstorm. So that is terrifying too. Oh, I mean, there's still no, lightning yeah. and rain and the air is oh. just storming around her and she is kind of coming. She doesn't know how long it takes because like she says at the beginning, she loses all sense of time Yeah, and is probably in and out of consciousness too because of just yeah. the pressure. She yeah. said she felt like her body was squeezing so hard against the seatbelt mm. that she couldn't even breathe. Oh my gosh. And probably just the gust of wind too. So she comes to and she is, her seat is uh, landed kind of a little bit backwards, but like facing up. And so that cushioned her fall too because it didn't fall forward. Right. Like, like she didn't like break her legs perfectly. or something. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So she unbuckles herself and kind of just like is in just so much shock. Mm. And like her head hurt really bad. Mm. And, you know, she's just like doesn't even really know what to do so she kind of hunkers underneath the um bench of seats and just falls asleep and she stays there for a while and then when she wakes back up she like assesses her body and realizes her right collarbone is broken Mm. but it hasn't punctured through the skin Mm. but the bones are like overlapped on top of each other and then she has a deep gash in the back of her left calf that was jagged so it looked like it was punctured by you know a rough piece of metal or something a piece of airplane that's upsetting (laughs) i know but it she's it's strange because she mentions that it didn't seem to be bleeding at all that's very odd weird i wonder why like maybe if it happened like in the air and like the pressure, pressure kind of make it kind of go back together somehow but if it was jagged i don't know i don't know that's strange yeah it's really strange and i'm assuming well i guess i don't know why i'm assuming this but in my mind it probably happened when the plane pulled apart yeah because yeah she was i don't know must have been struck by something or you know a piece of the seat wow weird um her mom and the man that were sitting in that row are gone they're just nowhere. So she's and attached to all three of the seats still. Yeah. Ooh, that is and not good. They weren't there when she was falling either. So and she to this day has no idea what happened or how they got pulled out and she didn't. Oh my god. But um it's just pretty Well, incredible. I feel like hearing this story now. I'm like, why aren't all the little like why aren't the belts like five point harnesses or something? Cause like they're kind of freaky now. Like I know. you can just slide right out of there if it's not tight enough. Right? I know. It definitely. You know when they tell you to secure that belt over your lap, <laughs> ratchet that ratchet puppy. that thing. Yeah, not getting sucked out. Mm. Ooh, mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> no, that's like so freaky. I, I know. Can't. That's like really sad. Oh, God. It is. It's really sad. So, um, she starts to look around herself her left eye is completely swollen shut Mm. and her right eye she can barely see like it's really swollen and she's kind of squinting through and but other than those injuries that's kind of all the injuries she could assess in that moment Mm -hmm. and she also had started wearing glasses a few years before and of course her glasses are long gone Mm -hmm. and so she can't see distance very well she can see up close which awful now she's now in the middle of the amazon jungle 
hardly able to see, one eye's swollen shut. Oh my God. And there's no one around her. It's terrible. And she's all alone. And she's 17. Meanwhile, in Pucalpa, that's the town that's really close to the Panguana Research Center, they are just going nuts because they, you know, this plane just loses contact Mm. and nobody hears from them again. Mm. And there was one man that had said that he thought he heard this, like, loud bang. Mm. He, He heard an airplane and then this loud bang. And it just disappeared into the foliage of the jungle. Mm. But they couldn't, he couldn't figure out like the direction or, and that sort of thing. So they immediately start to send out rescue planes to search. And what's so disheartening is Julian can hear these for like five days straight. Oh my gosh. And there's, and like, what can you do? And there's the, that dense tree <sighs> canopy that you can't even see the sky through. Wow. And there's no way they're going to see her. Wow. And I think they were more looking for... Probably like a hole in the exactly. canopy or something. Yes. Yeah. And that's what she says, too. Is She says, like, she looked up and she expected to see some sort of swatch cut out of the trees where yeah. she had fallen through. But it was as if it had never happened. Wow. It just, like, absorbed Oh my the, gosh. The seats. Mm. That's so, so terrible. I know. So um, one of uh, Julianne Kopke's father's friends goes, treks out to Panguana mm. Research Center to tell him about mm. the crash. Oh gosh. And oh. he refuses to believe that his wife and daughter are on there. He's like, no, there's no way. I told them that is the one thing I said is do not fly that that airline. So he just he refused to believe it for quite some time until he got confirmation that their names were on the roster. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That's really awful. That's sad. It's really sad. I I can't imagine the worry and then as each day goes on and researchers or um sorry rescuers can't even find yeah any remnants of yeah. the plane you would just lose all hope yeah and oh that's terrible it's really terrible so eventually julianne tries to rise and she's so dizzy mm. but she's just and later on, she finds out she did have an injury to her spine, mm. which is why she really, like, she kept having just so much head pain. Yeah. And she said it felt like she was covered in, like, cotton. Oh. And just this fogginess in her head. And even with that, the fact that she's able to do what she does mm-hmm. and is incredible. So she finally starts to realize she needs to get her bearings. Now, normally when they trek out into the jungle, they have machetes. So they're hacking down the foliage and then marking trees. Mm -hmm. So they would do this like X on trees to, because you can get lost feet from where you begin. I mean, I've heard of people getting lost on hiking trails or mm-hmm. if they step off tra- that's why you don't step off trail right you know but yeah. even in places where things are pretty well marked mm-hmm. and it's but they'll be they'll be lost and either rescued or found dead only a mile away 
Oh, gosh. Of course. Yeah. yeah. And this is in the middle of the Amazon. Yeah. And so, I mean, you could lose your bearings immediately. Right. So she starts to pick things out. She doesn't have any knife. She has nothing. Mm. And there's nothing from the plane that she can really grab to yeah. use. Um, or from the seat, sorry. And she can't, there's no wreckage around her. Nothing. Only the seat she fell in. She gets down on all fours and is crawling around, calling her mom, for her mom. And she, um, in her book, she says, uh, she called her name, but only the voices of the jungle answered. I know. Gosh. I just, I think of just this poor 17 year old and just, I mean, I would be terrified as a, full adult yeah and how lonely and terrifying that would have been so thankfully like i said earlier her parents when that when they would take her into the jungle they taught her survival skills they taught her about the fauna and flora and all the various creatures and so she mentions she was more afraid like she she felt worse about the feeling of abandonment Mm. and loneliness Mm. than she did fear of the forest interesting and she actually felt or of the jungle yeah i know yeah you would think i mean that when you start hearing those sounds to me that would be like oh my gosh yeah and she says you know some of the sounds soothed her because she knew what they were yeah and some of them can sound really scary so you know you have these frogs that make this horrible horrible sound that if you don't know it's a frog right it would really terrify you or these birds that make these like grunting and screeching noises Mm -hmm. but it's just this one type of bird and that's its call yeah and so um, she had spent so much time in the jungle she knew the difference between these yeah and what really wasn't very afraid of the animals she might encounter I would be. <laughs> I feel like such a big wimp. <laughs> no, yeah, like, yeah, it's good that she, yeah, she was raised with like around all that kind of stuff, you know, and because I think, yeah, that probably is the difference that set it apart, so that you know, from life or death for her, because mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. I just like go into a, the forest here and it freaks me out sometimes. I, know. Like, I mean, I wasn't too scared, but after that Hugh Glass one, I don't think I ever. <laughs> back into the forest you're like i'm good thank you so uh julianne she kind of knew what to look for so first she said she focuses on this one tree and notices unique qualities about it and so that she could find her way back to the site if she needed to because she's decides she needs to start moving forward and knowing there's nobody around me and Mm -hmm. if i and she was hearing the sound of this one bird that is really a shy bird mm-hmm. and doesn't want to be around people. And so the fact that she was hearing that told her there's nobody here. Right. And so she knew she needed to just yeah. start finding herself help right. or it would never come. Yeah. And with the heavy canopy of trees, they would never see her. Yeah. So she had one shoe on and it was a sandal where like the front was closed yeah. toed and then the back was open and um, and then just like a mini summer dress mm. because it was supposed to be an hour long flight. Right. You know? Yeah. 
And she said usually when they go out into the jungle, they're wearing high rubber boots because of all the snakes. Yeah. And so she she knew, okay, I'm keeping this one shoe. Yeah. And she would step forward with that foot every time. Oh. I know. That's like a, yeah, imagine walking like that. I know. Oh my gosh. It would take forever. Hopefully she wore it on the right foot since her she had the gouge in yeah. her calf on her left oh. leg. So she starts kind of shuffling slowly forward. And eventually she finds a stream mm. or not even a stream. It was like she called it a rivulet. Mm. So just this tiny little trickle yeah. of water. And that she knew was a great sign because yeah. if she can follow that, it usually will lead to something larger. Yeah. I'll go straight to the river. Mm-hmm. You're bound to find people at some point along that route. Yeah. You hope, you know. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. All I can think about this whole time, too, is, like, the fact that she had, she wears glasses. My prescription for my glasses isn't, like, super strong, but it makes a big difference. And so oh. I can't imagine, like, trying to see further ahead. It's like, oh, God, I can't see anything. And trying to make that, what's distinct about this uh, tree? In the like, Amazon you'd, jungle. You like, have to be so the, one, of the bi- one of the things that you hear about when the Amazon with the Amazon jungle is, oh, be careful when you grab on branches because it might just be a snake right, and i'm like yeah. she wouldn't even be able to see that that's so oh awful. gosh okay all right until she's right up yeah on it, you know yeah that's terrible that is terrible <laughs> i feel for people like you and her <laughs> who can't so oh, that well, would just be that that would add such another layer of dread and despair yeah, yeah. not being able to see so um, as she's starting to move forward and she finds the rivulet, she's following that down to what eventually becomes a bigger stream. Mm. And it, this part of the stream, the stream was very small, but the stream bed was exposed. Mm. So she was able to walk, you know, it was a more open. During this time, she discovers another wound on the back of her upper arm oh. and she describes it as being, it's just like the size of a dime. Okay. But it's deep. And it's like a tunnel. Like oh, a, oh, like a very big open. puncture. Oof. Yes. Yikes. And um, she explains she really didn't feel any pain mm-hmm. most of this time. I think her body was just so focused. And one of the things that her mom and her dad had taught her is the mental exercise of steps. What do I need to do next? Right. And only focusing on that. And that in itself can help you survive. Yeah. Because you won't panic yeah. the same way. And you're constantly thinking of just forward thinking. Yeah. And um, she really attributes her training that they taught her and that those mental exercises to being the keys to her survival and for as long as she did. So um, eventually she finds the only signs of the flight that she finds from the first couple days she finds a christmas cake and some candy okay and she tries to eat the cake but it was completely saturated and muddy Hmm. and it's the rainforest so it's constantly raining and it's the rainy season yeah and um so she just couldn't couldn't eat it Hmm. but she does take the candy and that she would just suck on it and it kind of gave her mouth something to do and helped 
distract as the days went on yeah her from her hunger oh. her hope is that if she follows this stream it will open up into a river mm. where you'll be able to have open sky yeah and then hopefully yeah. a plane will pass by and she's hearing planes this whole time Jeez. so you know she's thinking okay there's there's gonna be one there's gonna be one she her first night she spends sleeping on the dry part of the riverbed mm. and she said that first night she got the best sleep because yeah. she was just completely exhausted it wasn't raining mm. and she wasn't being attacked by flies yet or anything <sighs> like that Ugh. she said all the sleep she got after that was just awful mm. and she just couldn't she was attacked by mosquitoes and midges that would just bite her constantly Mm. and when if they were gone it was because it was raining and she said it it gets really cold at night there and so it would just be these like constant ice drops just pouring down on her i can't imagine at one point she comes upon it's called the bird eating spider um excuse me and it was right on the other side of the stream and she saw movement, so she approached, you know, and then sees this spider. Now this isn't I looked this thing up <laughs> and they these they look worse than they are. Okay. They're not horribly poisonous to humans or venomous to humans. They do have a venomous bite, but it's like a wasp sting okay. sort of venom. The bite is really painful. Mm. But it they're huge. Oof. These their bodies are five inches and their leg span is 12 inches that's a foot long sub <laughs> leg span each leg is so like the like no no like i think like all together yeah oh i was like horrified look, of a two foot that still is pretty big i'm sickened disgusting and they're hairy and they are like thick He's so a big boy. I don't like it. I don't like no. it. <laughs> and so they, she said they just kind of looked at each other and she kept going <laughs> and just didn't make any sudden movements, but just went on her way and the spider went on its way. Mm. So, so um, as, the, she, as the stream gets bigger and bigger, it starts to fill the bed. And so she doesn't have dry ground to walk on. Mm. So now she's kind of trying to shuffle with her sandaled foot Hmm. first through the water and um you know to make sure she doesn't step on anything sharp or any creatures that might be in there on the third day she finds one of the plane turbines and she said half of it was just completely black and she thinks that's where it was struck yeah so um she surmises that it just sizzled that turbine right off yeah and then the plane just oh my gosh on the fourth day she said that she heard hears sounds Mm. that quote makes my blood freeze in my veins which again i'm thinking it's going to be like a really scary animal but she's really not concerned about the creatures she feels pretty confident in that what she hears are really large wings beating okay and she knows that that belongs to a vulture and that was the first time that she felt truly horrified because she knew it had to have found somebody from the crash no that's 
Oh, that's so much worse. <laughs> and it's so eerie. You know, you're just, oof, alone. And then having to come upon the scene that she comes upon is so disturbing. So she follows, continues to follow the creek and comes upon, it's another row of three seats Mm. and they are embedded into the earth three feet. Oh my gosh. That's how hard they impacted the earth. Oh my gosh. And there are people still strapped in. (gasps) embedded into the earth three feet and just their legs are sticking up at weird angles oh my god and she sees two sets of men's legs and she knows the other one can't be her mom because Mm -hmm. her mom was sitting next to her but she still just can't not investigate it just she has to be sure right and so she kind of turns the woman's foot with a stick and the woman was wearing toenail polish and her mom never painted her nails. Mm. So she knew it wasn't her. And then later on, she said she felt just an immense sense of relief. Yeah. But then later on would feel really ashamed for feeling, feeling that relief yeah. because this woman, you know, died a horrific death, yeah. but you know, she just was in that hopeful and panicked moment of like, you know, is it my mom? Oh, thank goodness. Yeah. She's, she's still out there then. Yeah. Eventually, she eats the last of the candies. Mm. And she is super hungry. But she hasn't... She knows better than to eat anything in the jungle. The few things that she knows are safe to eat, she has no way to access. Mm. So getting the um, hearts of palm, you have to split the palm to get to the hearts of palm she can't catch any fish Mm. she doesn't have anything it's too wet to start a fire to cook anything else yeah and almost everything is poisonous yeah and so there's just nothing that she can eat she can't she tried catching you know fish with her hands and just couldn't do it so day six she hears um a specific bird it's called a hotzen and hotzens um they make a mixture of like a buzzing and a groaning sound which again if you're not familiar yeah. with that animal <laughs> you're gonna be like what like the? oh my gosh it's gonna get me and it's just a bird yeah. you know sometimes crows make scary sounds they do you know yeah and um but this bird nests only by large bodies of water and so it filled her with so much hope and excitement. And she it takes her hours. She finally comes upon this um, area where the stream is connecting to this large river. Mm. But there's so much driftwood mm. pushed up. And it takes her with her, you know, she's got a bum leg. She's got one sandal. Yeah. She's in a mini dress. Yeah. And she's struggling. Yeah. But she, so it takes her hours to get over the driftwood but she finally makes it and this is where that canopy finally opens up Mm. and she can see a rescue plane oh and she's been hearing planes this whole time that is the part where i'm like there's that um there's that that water torture method yeah where it's like one drop yeah on your skin or something you know where it's like just this slow stressful 
torture. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think of with her having to hear these planes for five days straight yeah. or six days now yeah. with no way to signal them. And she yeah. would scream and she would wave her arms, but no one can see her. Yeah. She sees this rescue plane and it makes one final pass over and then takes off. And that was the last time she hears a plane. Are you for real? <laughs> and it didn't see her. Oh, wouldn't you be fuming? I'd be so mad. <sighs> oh my god. I would be so. I would just. All I would be thinking about is, if only I had gotten here sooner. Right. Yeah. Like t- thirty minutes sooner. Yeah. But it- <laughs> maybe if that driftwood hadn't taken four hours to get over, not four hours, but you know. Mm-hmm. <sighs> That's so lame, dude. I know. Woof. At this point, she really loses a lot of hope. Yeah. And she's thinking, like, all the other survivors have been rescued except mm. for her. Oh. And she never will be. Oh. I know. That's so sad. Come to find out, she is the only survivor yeah, of this crash. Yeah, she's probably the only one. They do say that they think, they estimate per, about 14 people survived the initial fall. But... But just because of how the bodies were found, yeah. they think that they survived the fall, but then died due to injury or lack of rescue oh. and didn't know what to, you know. Because they couldn't make their way through the, yeah. the jungle. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Wouldn't that just be awful? You survive all that and then just can't get through the fucking jungle, man. I know. That I, sucks. That's just, oh. So she starts to... um now the river is completely filled the bed, mm. the riverbed, and there's no way for her to walk. So she decides to shuffle into the deeper water mm. because she knows on the shallow there's stingrays mm. and they like to stay in the shallow part. Okay. And so she would like shuffle forward with her foot and the risk of getting stung by one of those is really high and yeah. it's excruciating and will, I mean it'll immobilize her. She will not be able to continue on. She knows the deeper water, there's piranhas and there's um, caiman and things like Mm. that. But she says piranhas, from what she had learned, are only dangerous in standing water, not moving water. And I don't know why that is. I didn't research that or anything, but she knew what she was doing. And so she wades out into the deeper water and lets the current help float her down. She does this for four days straight with resting and sleeping. Yeah. During this time, you know, she has a, she has water now, fresh water. Well, fresh because it's not salt water. Obviously it's mud ridden. (laughs) Mm, Muddy water. And whatever else is in there. Yeah. Mm. Okay. But she said she didn't, she wasn't worried about dysentery mm. because there was no, the, she goes, that was the one benefit to there being no humans anywhere yep. is she knew the water wouldn't. The water was going to be safe to drink. That's yeah. bananas when you think about it, but. I know. Okay. I know. So she would find places to sleep where her back was protected to, you know, from animals and yeah. things like that. At one point. She's sleeping and she hears this, um, she hears this growling and this pawing sound Mm. and she couldn't see because it was night and she doesn't have her glasses, 
but she knows that or she assumes it's either a jaguar or an ocelot and so she just clears her throat like yeah and the animal just takes off like she startled it they were like oh i know (laughs) but i'm like oh that's so that's so scary that's like what you don't want to come across you know i would have said that about the stingrays too but you know she's got this i guess my dad was stung in the foot by a stingray once what (laughs) yeah we were it's it's funny because we were so well it's not funny that he got stung (laughs) sorry hold on the funny part though we were in florida and we he didn't check the plane tickets okay and we were supposed to fly out this day okay he thought it was the next day oh no and so this day we did one last beach day and then he got stung in the foot by a stingray. Oh, my god! And he had this tiny, he still has this tiny little crescent moon shaped scar. Whoa. And so he had to go to the ER. And um, then, you know, after the ER visit and everything, he, he ends up being fine. But he realizes that our flight was for that day. So, of course, he tells the airport, well, you know, I was stuck in the ER because I got stung by a stingray and we couldn't make it to the airport in time. <laughs> And they changed our flights with no charge. That is so funny. Oh, my gosh. Nice. uh, Worked out for you. He said it was really painful. I can't even imagine. Isn't that like what killed Steve Irwin? The stingray? Yeah, a big one. I mean, it had to have been a big one, right? To puncture all the way through to your heart. I don't know how that works, the stingray stings, but... Is it like with a little tail or something? I don't really. Yeah, they. Yeah, they like. That's why. Is it a um, That's why you shuffle your feet because what happens is you'll step on. You can't see them Mm -hmm. because they bury themselves under the sand. Okay. And if you step on one, it'll reach up and snap you on the top of the foot. Oh my god! With its stinger. Really? Okay. Okay. That's great. I've only seen one once in the wild, and it it was in Florida was it it might have been california i just like never thought about seeing a stingray out yeah. in the wild before i know to be honest that's like thought never crossed my mind yeah that's funny Freaky. they're cool they're cool looking they're, they're cool kind of menacing looking. i like you know, their happy like little smile <laughs> you know if you <laughs> see the them from bottom. underneath yeah <laughs> on the top part they look kind of creepy though i know because their eyes are like their eyes are really beady looking you know <laughs> yeah. yeah that's funny well that <sighs> sounds terrible for your dad i know so, but, you know, that, that's nothing like what she goes through. It's nothing. Nothing that's at nothing. all. Yeah. Tis but a scratch <laughs> in comparison. <laughs> a flesh wound. <laughs> so speaking of flesh wounds. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about um, Julianne's flesh I, wounds. <laughs> Julianne. Poor Julianne. So what initially she felt like weren't severe wounds mm-hmm. as far as, you know, she was still mobile she hadn't broken limbs. Mm. Well, her calf really starts to swell. Mm. And she says the flesh becomes whitish and it really starts to, um, now it's starting to cause pain. Yeah. The wound on her arm becomes infested with maggots, which is what she was really worried oh. about. <laughs> oh, no. Yo. Great. That's sick. So flies will lay eggs in the open wounds. And 
<laughs> do you need a minute i'm so sick you good? i'm good i'll be okay okay i'll be okay but Ugh. it's just like the thought it's so the th- yeah and remember this this wound is like an inch deep it's a deep wound mm. and she says the maggots will eat they it'll avoid blood vessels mm. because it tries to keep the host alive as long as possible <laughs> Okay. To feast on it. That's great. Thanks, pal. And this was the first time where she started to get really worried that she would be, she would die from being devoured alive from within. Just let that sentence sink in. Sink in. Being devoured alive from within. Oh, man. Oh. I just don't want to deal with that. Me neither. I feel like. I can't imagine. Like, if I was out, you know, going, trying to survive, and I look down at my wound, and I see maggots, just end me now. I'll be like, Lord Jesus, please take me home. I am not prepared to continue on it's anymore. It's so awful. She tried to get them out. She had, like, this, um, she had a watch on, and she tried using, like, the end of the watch, but every time she would bring it, it was in, like, I mean, such an awkward right. spot, like, the back of your arm. Yeah. Every time she would try to, like, scoop in there they would retreat wow great so, also, well plus two is that the same side that she broke her collarbone on because then you have even less mobility ooh, i then. didn't even think about that oh great She's having a bad day. And no matter what, even if it's on the opposite side, you have that's to like true. turn. Yeah. Either, ooh. Yeah, either way. Jeez. That's a hard, yeah. This poor girl. <laughs> so she tells this story in her book of um, they had a dog and he got a tiny little cut on his leg and they didn't know about the cut. <laughs> and uh, eventually he started to wince and didn't want anyone to touch him. Mm. And um, he would, was kind of hobbling around and they're like, what is wrong with him? And then they discover that the cut had been infested with maggots and they, the maggots had burrowed all the way down from the cut on his leg into his paw. (gasps) That's how deep they went in. What the? So they took him, they knew that, um, her dad knew that you can use alcohol and it'll draw the maggots out because they try to escape. Yeah. But the alcohol would be excruciating to the dog. Yeah. So instead, he knew you can also use kerosene. Okay. And it's less painful than for, for the host, if you will, <laughs> than the alcohol. So they used kerosene hmm. to try to remove the maggots. And then... Um, Eventually, you know, they were able to take him to the vet and he ended up being fine. But if they, the vet had said if they had waited any longer, they would have had to amputate the dog's leg. Oh my gosh. And so she knew, you know, she didn't have any alcohol on her, obviously, and no kerosene. So she tried to get them out, as I explained before, and it just didn't work. So she's just kind of stuck. Yeah. So as she continues on, she hears... A variety of animals one of which was the howler monkey mm. and the howler monkeys are known to be very shy mm. they will stay away from people at all costs which again was just a reminder to her that there is no one 
around. Right. No one. She came upon several animals um, in the riverbed that weren't even startled by her, which can be a good sign or a bad sign. In this case, it was a sign that they were indifferent Mm. and weren't scared. Right. Because they'd probably never seen a human before. Right. And, And so it was more a concern of hers than um than anything else one of the days she feels the sharp pain in her back after sleeping and she reaches back and touches it and it was bloody and it was from sunburn like oh, second degree no. sunburns from swimming because she had been swimming for days and there's not that forest canopy anymore so she's just exposed to the elements oh this whole time. Oh, my gosh. I know. Oh. It must have been so painful. Yeah. So um, another time she is, again, sleeping on kind of this nook on the riverbank with her back to it. And she dozes off for a little bit and then hears kind of this squawking sound. And before she opens her eyes, she's shuffling through all the different animals that could make that sound because she doesn't want to like be startled when she opens her eyes and she knows that young crocodiles make that sound (laughs) she opens her eyes and there's several baby crocodiles right by her and where there's babies there's a mama there's a mama and so she opens her eyes and the mom like (laughs) gets up on like up stands up on its legs and starts to rush at her threateningly. Oh, no. And Julianne just slowly slips into the water and goes <laughs> along her way. And the alligators, or the crocodiles, sorry, um, go into the water and go the other direction. That is bananas. She's just yeah. <laughs> down the river. <laughs> just slides oh. feet first. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's crazy. She tries to catch frogs to eat because they're everywhere and they're the little poisonous dart frogs. But as I was saying before, you know, she knows she can eat those mm. because she learned that. I would never have thought to that I could eat that. Right. I don't have the knowledge she has, but she couldn't catch them. And they every time she would like, she, you know, she's getting weaker and weaker. Yeah. Every time she would get one in her grasp, it would just it slip just, right yeah. out. Oh. I know. Oh. So day 10. She finds um, a gravel bank to sleep in yet again. And as she's starting to kind of close her eyes, she sees something that just doesn't belong Mm. in the background. And she doesn't believe what she's seeing because her mind has been playing tricks on her. You know, she'll hear what she thinks is human voices and they're not really there. Or she'll see something that she thinks is supposed to, you know, like, oh, like, is that is that part of the plane? Uh, it's nothing. Mm. You know, her mind starts to play tricks on her. And but she opens her eyes and sees more clearly a boat mm. and it's a newer boat. Oh. And so she goes over to it and f- has to feel it to be sure yeah. that it's real, you know. And um, over by the boat it is this hut that is called a tambo. Mm-hmm. And it's about 10 feet by 15 feet. And there are these temporary shelters that they put together really quickly. So they have, they'll put like a um, bark floor down mm-hmm. just from the surrounding trees. 
it'll have kind of like a tent pole in the middle and then they make the canopy out of foliage and people that are working in the forest will put those up if they're going to be out in the forest for a few days Um, fishermen will erect these if they're going to be fishing for a few days in the same spot and then they'll be abandoned until i mean it could be months before that tambo is used again wow but the fact that this brand new boat is here and she goes up into the tambo and there's some minimal supplies there's the boat motor because that just must be how they store it and then um a gas can Mm. and like a tarp wow and she wants to stay there but everything is kind of urging her on because she's at the same time she I, you know she knows it could be months yeah. before these people come back yeah so she goes back in and decides to stay the night at least and the gas can has a ho like a tube mm. next to it and or maybe it's the tube from the gas can so she sucks up some of the gas into the tube and pours it into her wound. the wound on her arm. Mm. And this is, I mean, I guess I should have done a trigger warning earlier, but <laughs> this is just so gross. So she said the initial pain was so extreme and it wasn't from the gasoline, the feeling of the gasoline. It's because the maggots tried to retreat downwards. What? And were biting farther into her flesh. That is so upsetting because you go through I all that trouble and then they didn't even go the right way. I hate the thought of that. Wow. But eventually they do like she pulls out 30 maggots <gasps> and that's not even all of them. That's just all the ones she could see because they do start to like come out. Um, later on, they would pull out another 50 maggots just out of that wound on her arm. <laughs> 50. Oh, I think I almost vomited with that one. I'm not going to lie. That's so many. It's so many. 80 th- altogether. <laughs> but, ugh. and just think, like, it was only an inch down. Wow. And dime-sized. Yeah. So that tells you how far they tunneled. Oh, no. No. Ugh. I hate. <laughs> That's terrible. I wish you guys could see our faces right now. We're just so <laughs> disgusted. And I even knew this before telling you. Yeah. I'm still just so disturbed. It's so... That image is going to live in my mind a long time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So she um, waits one more day and decides, okay, tomorrow I'm going to keep moving on because she she didn't want to take the boat. Yeah. Because she was terrified she might strand somebody else. Yeah. Which I'm like, that is so, like, you just just survived a two-mile plane crash. Yeah through the air while strapped to a seat survived that fall traveled 10 days through the amazon yep. jungle and you're still and she's like well i don't want to take the yeah. boat from anybody else yeah. and it's like what? incredible wow okay yeah so um she wraps herself up in the tarp and um she wanted to lay inside the tambo mm-hmm. but the ground or the bark cover, floor covering was so painful on oh, her sunburns. Yeah. So she decided to lay outside, but wrapped herself up in the tarp. Yeah. Eventually it starts pouring. So oh. she goes inside the tambo mm. and starts to hear voices, which she thinks she's 
you know, just hearing things. Her mind is playing tricks on her. But these voices are real. Mm. And three men, three forest workers walk into the tambo. And she says that they kind of recoil right. at the sight of her at yeah. first because they just weren't, not, you're not expecting anyone yeah. to be in there, let alone when you think about what she must have looked like. Yeah. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. And um, her eyes were, all the blood vessels in both her eyes had popped and even her irises were red. Oh my gosh. And she said she could see just fine. So she, it's, it was really strange, but her entire eyes, she said, looked like it was just these like blood sockets. <laughs> Those poor words. That would imagine? have been terrifying. <laughs> I, it's so scary. One of the guys said that he thought she was the water <laughs> goddess Yakumama. And yeah. he was, so, you know, they believed in these goddesses because of her blonde hair yeah. and her, her red eyes. Oh. It was so inhuman. Yeah. And there is a picture of her shortly after her rescue and in the, it's a black and white photo, so her eyes look black, and they're, right. it's really spooky looking. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine if they were just blood red. Yeah. So she asks about, she immediately says who she is, and that's when the guy's like, oh, good. I'm glad you spoke right away because I thought you were the water goddess. Yeah. And um, she says, you know, are the other passengers okay? You know, was everyone else rescued? And the man says, quote, no, senorita, not even the airplane has been found. Mm. It has simply disappeared in the jungle as if it closed its fist around it. As far as I know, you are the only survivor. Wow. That's chilling. I know. And they couldn't even find the crash site. Yeah. Like there's they do eventually. And she actually helped lead them back because she... Like I said, she would focus on specific, unique qualities of right. different trees and remembered. Yeah. And later, after wow. um, getting her you know, first aid for her wounds, she was able to lead them back <laughs> to the amazing. crash site. That's amazing. I know. And they did find her mom. Oh. They found her mom uh, on January 12th. So about two and a half weeks after the crash they did find her mom and they actually think she that her mom had survived the initial crash which is insane because she was strapped in the seat next to her right and so that was like that would be like a free fall nope oh (laughs) that's really awful but her you know injuries were just too grievous and she died of her injuries Jeez. so the sad thing so that's that is the insane tale of Julianne Kopke and how her mad survival skills and knowledge of her environment really helped her survive. Um, she did rec- fully recover from her initial wounds. Her spinal injury, she says to this, she's, she's still alive today. Um, she still ha- gets really bad headaches mm. and things like that from her spinal injury. Wow. But she's fully functional and um, is doing really, really well. Something that made me really sad, her father just never, was never the same and Mm. never recovered from the loss of his wife. That's so sad. I know. And even after 
you know, being reunited with Julianne. So they took her to a local hospital to get initially treated. And that's where they took out those extra 50 maggots. It's so disgusting. Um, and reset her collarbone. He, she, it was going to be a long road to recovery yeah. just because of the, the exhaustion and the depth of the muscle damage from those wounds. So her father sent her to Germany to, cause they have family there, yeah. um, to finish her recovery, but he didn't go with her and she felt like it was a second abandonment. That's really sad. I know. Oh and he didn't let her stay with him. Oh. And instead, he kind of sent her away, and I think it was just the pain yeah. was too much. Oh. And he just, instead of kind of clinging to her for stability and support, he it was easier for him to kind of push her away a little bit, which was so sad That's to, really to hear. sad. Oh, my I gosh. I know. I can't imagine. Yeah, you go through all that, then, yeah. Mm. I know. Like, all you want that whole time is your family. Yeah. That's so sad. I know. But, nonetheless, Julianne Kopke thrived. And um, she would go on to get her degree. And she got her doctorate from Ludwig Maximilian University of Munich. And her degree is in... She's a mammologist, so she specializes in mammals. Okay. And she went back to Peru wow. to research bats. Wow. And that's her, her specialty is in bats. Wow. And um, she married her husband, Eric Diller. He's also a German-born man. And um, they married in 1989. And he's an entomologist, mm-hmm. which they study insects. Okay. And um, he specializes in parasitic wasps. Um, the legacy that her parents have really left behind is the Panguana Research Center, which is still there. And when her father passed away in 2000, Julianne took over the research station. Mm-hmm. And it has hosted hundreds of scientists that come to explore the Amazon jungle, so which cool. is so rad because that was their passion yeah and the fact that it's still active and um was being used and then in 2011 it was declared a private conservation area that's very cool i know that's fantastic i thought that was so awesome so this is kind of wild so um as i mentioned towards the beginning the flight the lansa flight that she was on was fully booked Hmm. and when she was um, at the airport with her mom, there was this man that was just throwing a fit because he couldn't get on that flight. Mm. And he was so frustrated and he was doing some filmmaking in Peru at the time. And he was just like arguing with one of the people and she and her mom had kind of like commented about it to each other. Cause it was like, geez, you know? And uh, so Later on, this man would reach out to her, and it was the German filmmaker Werner Herzog. What? Yeah. He no. was supposed to be on that flight. He almost got on that flight. Are you kidding me? Isn't that wild? That is so wild. I know. So he reached out to her when he had found out because he felt a special connection because yeah. he, he was trying to get wow. on that flight. And 
um, he ends up making a documentary with her and um, she in her book says it's the truest account Wow! because there's so many and that's why I wanted to read her book. It took me forever to find an English version because right. like I said, the audiobook, like every every physical copy that I could find was all in German wow. or in other languages. Yeah. And the only one that I found, if you guys are interested in reading it, um, her book is called When I Fell from the Sky and I found it on Kindle. Mm-hmm. And that was the only way I was able to read her book. But she says that his documentary is the truest account other than her own book. Wow. Um, because so many news articles had twisted things or made it sound like she didn't even try to search for other people or she didn't, you know, oh, it's crazy that she just survived. And she felt like, you know, I, I it's not a miracle in, in her opinion, which I think it is a miracle. Yeah. It's amazing. But, you know, she says um, it's not a miracle that she survived. She had the know-how. She had, she had the learned. Skills, like, her yeah. parents are why. Yeah. And, you know, but. They, wait, they, just, so they tried to, like, shame her for not searching for other victims? Yes. Yeah, okay. That's uh, not how you do that. Like, literally on the airplane, you know, put your mask what? on first, right? You <laughs> can't. Yourself. You literally can't help. You got maggots and in your arms. She, you can't help anybody. It's just. <sighs> wow. So, I know. Absurd. It's so strange to That's me. messed People up. But um, Werner Herzog's documentary is called Wings of Hope. Mm. And I have not watched it yet, but I really, I'm, I'm excited to watch that it. That is crazy. And that's the story. Wow. That was, that was a good one. I've never Isn't heard that a this wild before. ride? That was wild. That was crazy. So I came upon that story. I, you know how Facebook will give you clickbait? Mm-hmm. There was this one where it was like, oh, crazy, you know, ooh, wild images caught or you know something something like that and it was this picture of her like with a stick and I was like wow what's that you know yeah and I clicked on it and I had never heard of it before that's incredible as I was reading the article that was on there I was thinking this is an incredible story yeah it's amazing I know wow wow that's all I can say falling out of an airplane surviving through the Amazon jungle wow yeah, and like, and at so many points along the way, it would have been so easy to just like give up, you know. Yeah. But to continue on. Yeah. Yeah, incredible. And then to go back to that area I know, and do your work to help them find. Well, yeah, to help them find everybody. Oh, wait, what do you mean? But like, she she went to back to live there. She didn't oh, just stay I in know. Germany or something. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine like going back, especially like literally retracing your steps to go. I know. Find the wreckage is. It would be That's so be hard cool. to go to go back yeah. and to fly that. I mean, she had to fly that same path, you know. Oof, and wouldn't um, that be terrifying? You no. Know, what's really neat, though, like how she, she her book is really well written, mm-hmm. and I love how she does it because it goes back and forth between her current, um, like a, a scenario that's occurring in current times where she was traveling back mm-hmm. with her husband. Mm-hmm. And so she talks about, you know, like I was getting like getting on the airplane with her husband and how she feels that pang of nervousness. And then it'll tell like a little bit about what's what's currently happening. And then she'll go into the story, too. Mm. That kind of goes alongside it. And um, yeah, just she's a great writer and her story is incredible. I highly recommend reading her book. Yeah. Sounds very interesting. And she's such a brilliant person, too. You know, it's. 
I imagine this has defined her entire life. Like everyone, I'm sure that's all they ask about. But she's also a extremely brilliant person and, you know, has done tons of research yeah. and written articles on bats and, and her studies. And so snaps to her, man. <laughs> that's funny I know. oh wow well thank you for researching that and sharing that story with me you're welcome incredible incredible and that's a wrap thanks for listening to the resolute follow and subscribe on spotify patreon and apple podcasts see you next week